is your host, Scott Singer, and you are now tuned into Biofuels Daily. It is Thursday, November 21st. Just like a hammer mill breaking through the tough outer coatings of corn kernels before getting slurried for a fermentation, today's top stories are guaranteed to help you grind through your morning commute. Today, I'll be covering eight stories, so let's get started. Nesty has embarked on a partnership with Salesforce to help reduce the carbon emissions of their annual Dreamforce conference held in San Francisco, which takes place November 19th through the 22nd. By using Nesty My Renewable Diesel in more than 25 of their shuttle buses, Salesforce will be able to reduce the program's greenhouse gas emissions by up to 80% compared to fossil diesel. Dreamforce is all about getting inspired and discovering the future of technology that will change the world. Therefore, we are excited to partner with Salesforce and offer Nesty My Renewable Diesel to help them reduce the event's carbon footprint. All good technologies and solutions to tackle climate change are needed, and we are proud to show how Nesty My Renewable Diesel reduce emissions without any modifications to existing engines, says Carl Nyberg, Executive President of Renewable Road Transportation at Nesty. Dreamforce is the world's largest software conference with more than 171,000 registered attendees and 13 million online viewers in downtown San Francisco, bringing together thought leaders, industry pioneers, and trailblazers. Dreamforce is the ultimate expression of Salesforce's values of trust, customer success, innovation, and equality. Nesty My Renewable Diesel is a premium diesel fuel produced from 100% renewable raw materials. It is available to public and private fleets in California through authorized distributors. For more information on Nesty My Renewable Diesel and to learn how you can power your fleet and make the switch, visit nestymy.com. In 2018, Nesty's renewable products helped reduce greenhouse gas emissions globally by 7.9 million tons, which is the equivalent of taking 3 million passenger cars off the road for one year. A little background on Nesty. Um, Nesty, also known as N-E-S-T-E on the NASDAQ, creates sustainable solutions for transport business and consumer needs. Our wide range of renewable products enable our customers to reduce climate emissions, and they are the world's largest producer of renewable diesel refined from waste and residues, introduced renewable solutions also to the aviation and plastics industries. We are also a technologically advanced refiner of high-quality oil products. We want to be a reliable partner with widely valued expertise, research, and sustainable operations. In 2018, Nesty's revenue stood at 14.9 billion euros. In 2019, Nesty placed third on the Global 100 list of the most sustainable countries in the world. You can read more information about Nesty at neste.com. Our second story of the day comes out of Washington, D.C. The House Ways and Means Subcommittee on Select Revenue Measures Chairman Mike Thompson and committee Democrats released a discussion draft of the Growing Renewable Energy and Efficiency Now Green Act. This draft legislation is a comprehensive approach to tackling climate change by using the tax code to extend and expand renewable energy use and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Estimates say that climate change will cost Americans more than $500 billion each year by the end of this century. We cannot afford to wait any longer to address this existential threat, 
Today, I am proud to lead my colleagues in unveiling the Green Act, a comprehensive approach to addressing the threat of climate change through our tax code, said Chairman Thompson. This bill will build on existing tax incentives that promote renewable energy and increase efficiency and create new models for technology and activity to reduce our carbon footprint. I've long said that if we don't address climate change, nothing else matters as we won't have a planet to pass on to our next generation. The Green Act is a critical step forward in our fight to tackle climate change head-on. I applaud Congressman Thompson for leading the creation of this framework, said Chairman Richard E. Neal. The climate crisis requires bold action, and I am pleased that we're using the legislative tools at Ways and Means Disposal to create green jobs, reduce carbon emissions, and help heal our planet. We look forward to hearing from stakeholders to ensure this bill is effective in helping improve energy efficiency and eliminating carbon emissions. The Green Act extends current renewable energy tax incentives and creates new models to increase the use of green energy while reducing greenhouse gas emissions. The bill will promote the use of green energy technologies and incentivize the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions through new and existing tax benefits. Increase energy efficiency and green energy use in both residential and commercial buildings. Support the use of zero emission transportation in supporting infrastructure. Invest in the green workforce through energy credits for manufacturers. Advance environmental justice through tax credits for research and academic programs. And require the Treasury Department to analyze the feasibility of a price on greenhouse gas emissions using the EPA's Greenhouse Gas Reporting Program. The Green Act was drafted in collaboration with members of the committee. You can, and there's a long list um, available online of all the members of the committee, as well as a discussion draft of the Green Act. In addition, the Green Act discussion draft is supported by several organizations, which you can also find online. Our third story today comes out of Jakarta, Indonesia. Indonesia's, Ener Indonesia's energy ministry approved an additional allocation of 72,000 kiloliters of fatty acid methyl ester, also known as FAME, made from palm oil, to run a comprehensive trial for its B30 program, an official said on Monday. <clears throat> the country aims to implement the B30 in 2020, a mandatory program for biodiesel containing 30% of palm-based fuel, higher than the current 20%. Indonesia will run the trial later this month through until December, the ministry's director of bioenergy, Andrea Phoebe Mizna, said ahead of the 2020 launch of the mandatory biodiesel program. Earlier this month, the Indonesia Biofuels Producers Association estimated the trial would consume an additional 250,000 to 400,000 of FAME. The trial is aimed at testing the readiness of B30 in trucks and ships, as well as its distribution system through eight delivery points and pipelines, Mizna said. Allocation of fame in November and December is set at 209,238 uh, kiloliters for Indonesia's ongoing B20 biodiesel program and B30 trial, a ministerial decree showed on Monday. Our fourth story of the day is coming from the Renewable Energy Group, also known as REG. REG announced this week the company is halting construction on a $30 million improvement project at its Seneca biodiesel plant due to the prolonged lapse of the federal biodiesel tax credit. Company officials say the 22-month gap since the credit was last in effect and uncertainty about it when it would be reinstated 
forced the postponement of further work on the project that involved nearly 100 contract workers. This is another painful example of how Congress's continued failure to reinstate the biodiesel tax credit is having a very real and very negative impact on working families across the country, said REG President and CEO Cynthia Warner. Their inaction has forced us to make another difficult decision. We closed one of our other plants earlier this year, and now we have had to stop a project that would help us utilize more waste feedstocks at Seneca. Our contractors had to tell a lot of good, hardworking people that they can't come back to work here because our government has not come through. RG's announcement comes on the heels of many biodiesel plant shutdowns across the country, impacting thousands of jobs. The move by REG is another example of how the biodiesel tax credit impacts more than just biofuel producers. The U.S. biofuel industry supports more than 60,000 jobs, $2.5 billion in wages, and $11.4 billion in economic impact. Now this impact is being felt by Illinois contractors like Depew Mechanical in Manuka, Illinois, which took the brunt of the REG postponement. These are construction workers, engineers, plumbers, electricians, and pipefitters that are not contributing to the local economy now because the federal government has not gotten their job done. This takes away economic opportunity for Seneca, Grundy County, and Illinois, said Jim Jacobson Jr., president of Depew Mechanical. The $1 per gallon credit has lapsed six times since 2004. The current lapse is the longest by far, amplifying instability and hindering growth. Biofuels champions continue to show up for us, but now is the time for Congress to act, said Tim Mann, REG Seneca plant manager. The industry needs immediate reinstatement so communities can take advantage of all the economic benefits of biodiesel production. In July, REG opened the company's first diesel fueling station, located off of Shipyard Road, that 24-7 station is open to all diesel vehicle owners, from semi-fleets to local farmers. Our fifth story today comes out of Colorado. A federal jury in Denver, Colorado, found Martin Fields guilty yesterday of conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to commit money laundering, making false claims against the United States, and money laundering announced Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General Richard E. Zuckerman of the Justice Department's Tax Division. According to the evidence presented at trial, Fields, along with Matthew Taylor, Calvin Glover, and others filed false claims for tax credits under a federal program that encourages the production and use of renewable fuels. To accomplish the scheme, Fields and his co-conspirators created a fake company Shintan Inc. that purported to be in the business of creating renewable biodiesel fuel. From 2010 to 2013, Fields and his co-conspirators filed documents with the Internal Revenue Service claiming more than $7.2 million in tax credits for production of renewable fuel. In fact, however, Shintan produced no qualifying renewable fuel and the documents filed with the IRS were false. To avoid detection, Fields and his co-conspirators laundered the fraudulently obtained funds through bank accounts belonging to Shintan and other shell companies. As a result of the scheme, Fields personally received at least $1.8 million. Fields' co-conspirators, Taylor and Glover, previously pleaded guilty, Taylor to money laundering and money laundering conspiracy, and Glover to conspiracy to defraud the IRS. 
Sentencing is scheduled for February 7th, 2020. Fields faces a maximum sentence of five years in prison for conspiracy to defraud the government and for each false claim count, and 10 years in prison for money laundering conspiracy and each money laundering count. He also faces a period of supervised release. <coughs> Sorry guys, I had a sneeze there. He also faces a period of supervised release, re-restitution, and monetary penalties. Principal Deputy Assistant Attorney General Zuckerman thanked special agents of IRS Criminal Investigation and EPA Criminal Investigation Division who conducted the investigation and tax division trial attorneys Sarah A. Kilwitz and Stephen K. Moulton who are prosecuting the case. Additional information about the tax division and its enforcement efforts may be found on the division's website. Our sixth story today comes out of Iowa. Three-fourths of Iowa's registered Republicans back President Donald Trump's approach to trade with China and say his tariffs have done more to help than harm Iowa agribusiness, a New Des Moines register, CNNmedia.com Iowa poll shows. The poll includes 502 registered Republicans who do not plan to caucus for Democrats in 2020. But just over half of these Republicans approve of his handling of ethanol policy, an issue that has put several farm and renewable fuel groups at odds with the administration the poll shows. These Republicans' overall job approval rating of Trump in the poll is 85%. Ethanol is something of a weak spot for the president, said J. Ann Selzer, president of Selzer & Co., which conducted the poll. The poll was conducted November 8th through the 13th and has a margin of error of plus or minus 4.4 percentage points. Farm and renewable fuel groups have criticized Trump's Environmental Protection Agency for granting waivers to small oil refineries, allowing them to avoid blending 4 billion gallons of ethanol biodiesel into the nation's fuel supply. Nearly 30 U.S. ethanol and biodiesel plants have closed either temporarily or permanently because of the waivers. Four are in Iowa. Though support among Republicans surveyed statewide for the president's ethanol approach is 53%, more than a quarter are not sure. Support climbs to 60% among rural residents despite the opposition from renewable fuels advocates. On trade, support for Trump's tariffs has grown among registered Republicans since an Iowa poll conducted in March when 40% said the duties were helping Iowa agricultural businesses more than they are hurting them. In the new poll, the figure is 50%. 26% say the tariffs are hurting more than helping, and 24% are unsure. The trade disputes with China and other countries have depressed already low prices for soybeans, corn, and other farm products that are important to Iowa. Trump imposed tariffs on Chinese products last year, sparking retaliatory duties on U.S. farm goods. U.S. and Chinese officials say they have reached an initial agreement on the first phase of a broader deal, but few details have been released. Paul Erickson, a poll respondent, and 53-year-old registered Republican who lives in Armstrong said he likes how the president is handling trade, showing the world that the U.S. can't be pushed around. We're the most powerful country in the world, and he's standing up for us, said Erickson, an industrial and business mechanic. These negotiations take time. The Trump administration has tried to offset the damage to U.S. farmers, rolling out $28 billion in aid over the past two years. The program includes direct aid to farmers, as well as government purchases of surplus pork, milk, and other products for use at schools and food banks. An Iowa State University study concluded the trade dispute will cost the state about $2 billion annually. 
Erickson said he believes the trade deals that Trump and his administration are negotiating will bring farmers better deals eventually. China keeps flexing its muscle and we just keep giving in based on what I've seen from past presidents, he said. We're not just in it for the next year or two years. We're in it for the long haul, he said. Poll respondent Ryan Daly, a 33-year-old registered Republican who lives in Dubuque, said he's concerned the president failed to fully consider the ramifications of a trade war with China and escalating tariffs. It felt like a short-sighted approach, Daly said. It had a direct impact on agriculture, which affects our economy and everything else we do. When farmers tighten up spending, it trickles down. Daly said consumers will eventually see prices increase for Chinese goods, although there have been as yet no wide effects on electronics and other imported retail products. Consumer spending drives about 70% of the U.S. economy. He's keeping a campaign promise, but it feels very reactionary, Daly said. It's very much hurt more than helped. Ethanol and biodiesel supporters contend that the EPA is reneging on a deal the president brokered to ensure 15 billion gallons of corn-based ethanol are blended into the nation's fuel supply next year. Amid the criticism, Trump came to Iowa in June to announce the administration would make gasoline with 15% ethanol, called E15, available year-round. Under previous policy, E15 sales were suspended during the summer months because of concerns it contributes to smog during warmer weather. Erickson, the poll respondent from Armstrong, said he trusts the president will make good on his promise to Iowa farmers. He also thinks U.S. motorists will buy more ethanol, especially as higher blends become available. I work with folks in other states where higher ethanol blends are not available and they want them, he said. Our seventh story today once again comes out of Washington, D.C. Farmers need the Trump administration to stabilize the biofuels market and Congress to approve the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement on Trade. Farm Credit Administration Chairman and CEO Glenn Smith told the House Agriculture Commodity Exchanges Energy and Credit Subcommittee today. Asked by House Agriculture Committee Chairman Colin Peterson, a Democrat from Minnesota, for his views on biofuels, Smith said he is following the industry extremely closely. To keep that industry vital and growing as promised is critical, Smith said. This country and Congress called on the industry to fill a need, and it is only fair to farmers for the government to meet and maintain a stable market for corn-based ethanol and biodiesel. Smith also told Representative David Scott, Democrat from Georgia, that Congress should pass the USMCA as soon as possible. The market facilitation program payments that the Agriculture Department has created through the Commodity Credit Corporation to make up for lost exports are helping farmers in the short term but long term we need those markets back, he said. Asked by Scott about farmer suicides, Smith said farm credit institutions try to be empathetic lenders and loan officers try to watch for signs of borrowers in trouble. A farm isn't just a job, the whole identity is in that piece of land, Smith said. Smith confirmed to Representative Cindy Axney, Democrat from Iowa, that some farmers are turning to alternative lenders who charge high interest rates as the Wall Street Journal reported, but Smith said the number is small. The Farm Service Agency should be the lender of last resort, he said. Smith told Representative Rick Crawford, a Republican from Arkansas, that student loan debt is a problem for young and beginning farmers, but added he is not sure how to handle it. Discussing the farm economy in general, Smith said he sees the current situation as similar to the early 1980s as opposed to the late 1980s, where there was a farm crisis. Land has lost 15-20% to of its value, 
Loans have eroded, and just as there were export problems after the United States imposed an embargo on grain shipments to the Soviet Union, there is a trade war. The difference, he said, is that interest rates in the early 80s were high and now they are low. There is a creep of deteriorating financial quality, Smith said. The numbers are not alarming, but not improving. Ask my representative David Rouser, Republican from North Carolina, to describe the rural economy in five years if farm income remains low. Smith said he is more concerned about interest rates rising. In prepared testimony, Smith said that even though farm income is well below the record levels set six or seven years ago, with the large payments provided by USDA's market facilitation program, net cash farm income will likely be close to the average for the past two decades. Debt is also rising. U.S. farmers have taken on an estimated $41 billion in additional farm debt over the past three years. Adjusted for inflation, total farm debt outstanding is nearing the record set almost 40 years ago. Income shortfalls have cut working capital and elevated borrowing needs. With cash flows tight, the number of producers finding it difficult to repay their loans is growing, albeit at a modest pace. Increasingly, producers are restructuring their debts to improve their cash flow. Scott asked if FCA has the budget to do a proper job of regulating the farm credit system, and Smith said he does have the budget he needs. Smith also testified that the farm credit system in Farmer Mac, the secondary market for agricultural real estate, and single-family real estate mortgages and rural home loans are both sound. Alright guys, this is our eighth and final story of the day. And it has to do with machine learning to benefit agriculture. In 1962, Arthur Samuel shocked the world. He built a computer that challenged, that could challenge then-reigning checkers champion Robert Neely. The machine won, but it wasn't the triumph alone that grabbed headlines. It was the software behind the victory that would change the world. Rather than programming the 500 quintillion two potential scenarios from a checkerboard into his computer, he inserted, he instructed the device to react based on games it had played in the past. After playing game after game, weighing dozens of factors, calculating risk, and planning the next most efficient moves, the computer learned to master the board. Today, the same principles of machine learning that Samuel applied in his early experiments are being used in almost every discipline, including one field that is not often associated with the rise of artificial intelligence, agriculture. Plant breeders are constantly searching for specific traits. They look for qualities that help farmers grow crops more efficiently. While using fewer natural resources, for a plant to inherit a beneficial trait, however, researchers must find the right sequence of genes but exactly which sequence is the right one is a mystery in the beginning. Deep learning algorithms can take a decade of raw field data, like insights about how crops have performed in various climates or how they have inherited certain characteristics and use this data to develop a probability model. With all of this information, machine learning can predict which genes will most likely contribute beneficial traits. Of the millions of combinations, digital tools and advanced software greatly narrow the search. With the aid of machine learning, plant breeding is becoming more accurate, efficient, and capable of evaluating a wider set of variables. Scientists are using computer simulations to conduct early tests to evaluate how a variety may perform when faced with different subclimates, soil types, weather patterns, and other factors. This digital testing does not replace physical field trials, 
but allows plant breeders to more accurately predict the performance of crops. By the time a new variety reaches the soil, machine learning has helped breeders create a more thoroughly vetted product than before. We were able to save an entire year of testing in our pipeline by using machine learning, says Nalini Poloverepu, Enterprise Data Science Strategy Lead at Bayer. For a farmer, machine learning will help create personalized answers to 40 key decisions they make in a growing season. From planting in-season management <clears throat> of irrigation, diseases, pests, and weeds to harvesting. When tracking any disease, early and accurate identification is essential. The traditional method of identifying plant disease is done by visual examination. However, this process can be plagued with inefficiencies and prone to human error. For a trained computer, diagnosing plant disease is essentially pattern recognition. After sorting through hundreds of thousands of photos of diseased plants, a machine learning algorithm can assess disease type, severity, and a number of other issues. Machine learning in agriculture allows for a more accurate disease diagnosis while preserving energy and preventing false data. Farmers can upload field images taken by satellites, UAVs, land-based rovers, smartphones, and tools like the Climate Field View platform, which can identify potential issues on the farm and recommend a management plan. Crop disease is a major cause of famine and food insecurity around the world. Three Modern Agriculture seeks to create seeds and crop protection products that can provide relief to these global challenges. One of the many benefits of machine learning is how this technology can make more accurate and precise improvements to a process. In plant breeding, machine learning is helping create more efficient seeds. Such advancements offer the potential to create even more adaptable, productive crops that better feed the planet all while preserving our, pre our precious natural resources. What used to be reserved for major institutions is now within reach for all. Small startups and large organizations alike are using machine learning to shape the future of agriculture. When paired with human ingenuity, a $5,000 supercomputer could theoretically create a huge breakthrough in plant breeding. Just a decade ago, this notion was fantasy. Much like software improvements in machine learning have seemingly endless possibilities, researchers in agriculture are testing their theories on a greater scale and helping make more accurate real-time predictions about crops. What we can't imagine through machine learning has the potential to uncover even more ways to feed our growing world, adapt to climate change, and conserve our water, land, and energy. So, let me know what you thought about today's podcast and send me an email to biofuelsdaily at gmail.com. Lastly, if you could please subscribe to my podcast and leave a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and remember to always go green.